Libraryland Loves, a podcast from the Ontario Library Association. I am your host, Michelle Arbuckle, and today is just a great, fun episode. I think we could all use a little bit of a break right now. Here in Canada, we are heading into a long weekend, and in Ontario, fingers crossed, we're about to get out of enforced lockdown. So let's all just take a breath, reflect on the things that are making us happy, that are helping us to cope, and make us almost feel maybe like whole human beings, question mark? I'm very excited though for the human being who is joining me today. This person has been nominated for the Forest of Reading an amazing 15 times. He is a passionate advocate for school libraries, a member of the Forest of Reading Advisory Committee, which is made up of very fancy influential people who are helping to move that program into the future. And he is also an award-winning writer, illustrator, reporter, radio sports host, producer, and documentary maker. And might I also add that he is also a Library Land fan favorite for the annual OLA Public Library Awards Gala, which happens at the Super Conference, and where he regularly brings down the house with his comedic stylings and antics. I hope you're ready and that you are as excited as I am because Libraryland loves Kevin Sylvester and he is going to join us after the break. Kevin Sylvester, welcome to Libraryland Loves. Michelle, thank you for having me. Uh, that was, the, wow, I, golly, golly gee, I, that, thank you. I love libraries, as you know, and, and, and it's an honor to be here. Can you believe it's your first time here on this podcast? I mean, how dare we celebrate three seasons of things that libraries love and not include you? I am ashamed and I apologize. I'm very happy to exist on the <laughs> periphery and, 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 uh, and I will join you for a virtual celebratory drink to libraries anytime you want. I'll come back. How about that? Uh, thank you. Thank you. That, that, is, that is a threat and a promise and I will take it. <laughs> fair enough. It's fair enough. So this episode of Librarian Loves is coming out on Monday, uh, I believe it's May 17th, which is the week of mm -hmm. the Forest of Reading Festival, which you have a long history with. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Well, I, I, it's funny that when I knew I was going to be on chatting with you, I actually have a tree mm -hmm. out in my backyard that was given to me by the Thunder Bay Forest of Reading when we, when we did those remote festivals up yeah. there. And I had it as a sapling, planted it, and it's now my height. Now, that's not that tall right. for anybody who's seen me on stage. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still, uh, it shows how long uh, I've... I, how much the forest means to me that I call it my forest of reading tree. Uh, it, 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 it sort of, I don't know. It, there's a lot to unpack. I, I, I remember the first time I got nominated, it was for my very first book mm -hmm. and Helene Becker won. And I just remember thinking a couple things. Oh my gosh, the kids are loud. My <laughs> goodness, sure Helene is funny. <laughs> and it doesn't matter if you win that it was just such a celebration of books and, yeah. literacy and to be honest with you it was like i just want every single book i ever write to get nominated just so i can go to the festival absolutely the yeah. first time i remember seeing you there um i think i don't know the exact year but it was definitely for neil flambe okay um i want to say around 2013 maybe 2014 i believe i won that year actually. yes that, yes. yes and do you remember the student that introduced you oh yes um I was it harmish Harmish? Harmish, yeah, Harmon. I think, uh, uh, and and I, 
I remember because he did a whole thing. I have a picture of him. <laughs> I apologize for not getting his name completely right. But he had a chef's cap on and he did a whole thing where he had a mixing bowl. And he was like, what you do is you mix this in and you mix a little bit of mystery and you mix a little bit of, of fun. And what do you get? Kevin Sylvester and Neil Flump. It was like, whoa. It was incredible. I don't know. me like. Yeah, I don't know what he is doing now, but I hope it's something amazing because he was such a star that day after introducing you. And I thought it was just such a great um, example of, you know, for people who don't know, the festival, um, the Forest of Reading Festival, previously known as Festival of Trees, mm-hmm. has happened in person in Toronto at the Harbourfront Centre, um, which has that giant stage that looks out towards the water. It's a gorgeous space. Um, it's usually somewhat frigid weather in may yeah. <laughs> not quite warm enough yeah, often windy there's often usually windy. the little the kids holding the signs usually have to hold on to them for dear life yeah. and basically we bus in thousands of students yeah. who have read and participated in the forest of reading and voted on their favorite authors and their authors and the illustrators come together and at the festival they get to give the award to the author that they have voted yeah. for and this student, a student gets chosen to walk you up on stage and introduce mm-hmm. you. And it's a really intimate experience for that student. It's fabulous for all of the authors and illustrators involved. And because you get to meet each other and chat and you are rock stars to these kids and it feels like a rock concert there. Yeah, the funny thing is I always want the kids to feel like they're rock stars too mm-hmm. though, because it, the thing is, it. I mean, to put it down to brass tacks, the, the, the Forest of Reading program can can really make an author because it introduces books curated lists of books to kids who are amazing readers right mm-hmm. like these are kids who are reading these books and they're deciding and voting on what really meant something to them or made them laugh or whatever it is that they're using as their criteria so without the kids responding and mm-hmm. being so passionate we're just a bunch of lonely old authors on stage so all that energy that you're talking about never comes from us right it always comes from those kids and so as much as we might feel like rock stars they're the ones that are really providing all of uh, it's just i love it so yeah it's wild the roar from that audience when when an author wins is incredible if you i always like people who are like walking by and they're like what the heck is what you know they're they're coming by the ones out on the on the water and like they're dragon boats doing practice and then they just like get distracted by this yeah, because it sounds, yeah, like you said, like, I don't know, like, I don't know, a band I like. Who's yeah. a band I like? Like, Metric is there. <laughs> right. There we go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But these yeah. are kids who have been, you know, in previous years, hiding out in libraries and staying inside and reading over recess and, you know, the yep. the, you know, the ones that are, are trying to quietly read. And then they get to come to this festival and they just unleash. And it's yeah. great. I love yeah. it. A hundred percent. It's so wonderful. And, Agreed. um... And so I'm glad that uh, that you have fond memories of it. I have fond memories of it. And so now this year, um, which also happened last year, you know, we're not able to gather in person. So you're involved in the advisory committee capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about what's happening with the virtual festival this year. So if you watched last year, there was, uh, it was actually in, in the making lemonade out of lemons situation. Mm-hmm. It was actually really good because the, the the forest was able to join up with CBC Books, uh, and honestly, to have CBC Books recognize they've covered this in the past in little ways, but to have them recognize the scope and the importance of this, uh, and to actually kind of like they're broadcasting that you can watch it from anywhere in the world. Right. So whereas it's usually you have to be at the festival. Yeah. 
the lemonade side of this is that it can go anywhere and CBC Books has a great reach and they get Ali Hassan uh, to, to MC and he introduces stuff and the authors and illustrators all make little videos that get played around stuff. So it's as fun as you can have without actually being there Yeah, is, is the best way to describe it. And so the rollout this week will be that uh, on the 18th, 19th and 20th, there will be, you can go check it out on the website for the specifics, but there will be the rollout of the of the different winners. Ali does, if I remember from last year, he does like funny jokes. He's a comedian, mm -hmm. so he does funny jokes, but he also loves books. He does candid reads. So he's like always like dancing and laughing in between, and he's got a great engagement with stuff. And uh, it's as close as you can get to a, to a loving celebration of books as possible without having 10,000 kids screaming right. at you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're screaming at you from their homes. Yes, <laughs> please, kids, open your windows, watch the watch, watch the announcements of the nominees and winners, and scream out the window. Applause or as you possibly can. Yeah. Well, the nice thing is too, because it's happening during the daytime, right? I think mm -hmm. they all start around ten o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. So schools that are already virtual or or are right. joining together in some sort of mix, they seem to all be either a blend, even if they're in the school themselves. Uh, they can they can watch the event live. You can make a whole thing of it. And that's also cool because it involves kids mm -hmm. who might not necessarily have been in the forest program still seeing the excitement about books. And maybe it will sort of make them go, hey, maybe next year I, sh I should join this this club. This yeah. looks like actually kind of fun. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's great. And honestly, I think in the future, having some sort of mm -hmm. virtual element to the live event when we start it up again, probably next year, fingers crossed. Uh, will be will be there. I think, it, and that's true of a lot of the virtual stuff that's happened with education this year. Yeah, I'm not going to get into the bads. You know, <laughs> we know the some bad. of the decisions yeah. are not great. Yeah, but I just mean that for festivals like this, mm -hmm. it's not a bad way to increase. And, and just get more people and more kids involved in it. So Absolutely. that's not a bad thing. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like we're having that conversation around all types of culture. The fact that there have has been some lemonade-like moments this year mm -hmm. where we're like, you know what, maybe we can enjoy this in different ways and, and still get our our feeling of whatever that culture is without having to necessarily be together in person. So I kind of liked uh, I, some of the OLA stuff that we did. Yeah. Like that, it was so neat to sort of browse around uh, a calendar and then click on stuff that you mm -hmm. can drop in on it. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't perfect. I still love being at OLA, but uh, yeah, it, but it was neat that there was a way to engage. Yeah, and I think that is something to look at going into the future. Yeah. And with the forest too. Yeah, for sure. So speaking of which, you've been enjoying some things that have been making your life a little bit more livable and a little, little more um, enjoyable these days. And yes. so we're going to talk about that today. So we're talking about your the five things that your five of your favorite things right now. Is that how I should phrase it? Sure, that works. Yeah, five things that I'm enjoying. Five things you could say that are getting me through. Yeah. Depends on the day, but yeah, five <laughs> things that that have been lemonade-like in the past year. I love about that. It. Okay, right. five types of lemonade. Let's do it. All right, right, so what's your number one? Well, I think the number one that I put on the list uh, when I sent it to you was Ted Lasso, the show mm -hmm. Ted Lasso. Yeah. Uh, have you watched it? I have. Oh. Twice I, over. Yeah, I love so much about that show. Mm -hmm. I love the, the characters. I love the I love any narrative that is unexpected where you're like, this person's going to be this, and then they flip that upside down. Yeah. I, I mean, it's the sort of stories I like to write. Mm -hmm. It's the sort of stories I like to read. and But that show is a gigantic hug. Yep. It is all about people trying 
to help the people around them get better at what they do. Mm -hmm. And in a year where there's, in a TV landscape where there's so much cynicism, and I love Breaking Bad and I love all that stuff, mm -hmm. but to have a show that was sort of like, you know, guys, we're still all human humans. We mm -hmm. still have humanity. And if we help each other out, we can. We don't need to be friends. They're not all friends. But but that sort of idea of teamwork. And the weird thing is it, it's influenced the way that I've started thinking about teamwork when I talk in school visits. So mm -hmm. I have a series uh, of books out with Scholastic called The Hockey Super Six. Mm -hmm. And I realized after watching Ted Lasso that one of the things I'm actually trying to get at in that book series is that you do not need to be buddies in order to work together to try and make something better. Mm, okay. Yeah. You just have to recognize that everybody around you is better at something than you are. Right. And that includes you because you're surrounding somebody else. Mm -hmm. And it's all about trying to discover where that meeting up comes from and what the skills are that different people bring. And everything we do is collective. We pretend that it's not, but everything we do involves other people. And the more people that you can involve moving forward, you make the world a better place. Mm -hmm. And look, we had a rough four or five years of, 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 you know, bullying at the highest levels of our culture. Let's mm -hmm. put it that way. Yeah. So that show really did help me sort of heal in a way. And I loved it. I still love it. It's fantastic. And yeah. it's coming out season two this, yes. this summer. Excited. So I'm ready for that. Yeah. You know, when I first... I first read about the show, um, like it wouldn't have surprised me that you like it because you're a sports guy. And it was my assumption, oh, this is a sports show. Not it's not all. for me. But yeah, the, and I'll admit, even watching the credits, I was like, okay, it's still really sportsy. He's in the, he's in the, you know, in the stands of the soccer pitch or whatever. Yeah. And it was Sudeikis that brought me in. I love Jason Sudeikis. I think he's hilarious and yep. I'll watch anything that he does. But by the end of it, I was so invested in all of the other characters. Yeah. And I have to say, some of the best female characters I've ever seen on television. Agreed. Yeah. The, the Keeley to me is yeah. one of those, again, a surprising character because yeah. even the way they introduce her at the beginning where she's like, you know, the girlfriend of the, of the superstar pretty yeah. boy. Yeah. And then everything about her character after that is a complete inversion of all your expectations about what someone like that is like. Yeah. Yeah. And even the I'm owner of chills. the team and the wife. Yeah. And, you know, she's not just the wife and her relationship with the ex-husband. Yeah. I actually went to a South by Southwest session. It was a virtual this year uh, with the music editors of the show. Oh. Yeah, it was fantastic. And they were talking about all of the musical cues and how it all tied in with the emotion of wow. the different scenes. It was fantastic. And so that's a whole other, now I need to go back on my third watch, I think, of season one and just pay more attention to the music choices because, yeah, yeah, it's so great. It was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I love that one. Uh, and I would give an honorable second to the Umbrella Academy season two, which I also felt was, even though I love superhero stories, mm -hmm. but I felt that that one really was about the humanity of the characters as well, as well and it was funny, mm -hmm. and also kind of uplifting with a slightly darker tinge to it. But, okay, all right. Uh, that was maybe number two for me this year. All right. Lupin, I liked Lupin, which was also good. I really liked but, WandaVision this year. Oh my gosh, yes, I maybe should have said that was number two. <laughs> that was, uh, you can and, take well, it. <laughs> I, well, and again, WandaVision was so, what is going on? Yeah. And yet it was, there's such a heart at the middle of that show. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, I mean, I don't know how deep, how deep can I go into why these shows were so important to me this year? I think we'll say right now, I'm going to put in a little um, spoiler alert, jump ahead to this number if you haven't watched. How's that? Okay. That seems fair enough. <laughs> so uh, 
it wasn't even about what happened in them. It's a, it goes back to something that, uh, okay, so there was a guy named David Chase, mm -hmm. who was the showrunner on The Sopranos. Okay. And he also killed my favorite show, which was Northern Exposure. Oh. He was what? brought in to do Northern Exposure after about season three or four, and he killed it. Hmm. And he said the reason he killed the show, and he did it on purpose, was that he said, oh, this show is filled with people who are always writing stories about how the world is so lovely and the world is horrible. And it was interesting to me about like a bias. <laughs> so he could not he could not accept the, the, the sort of, if you want to call it a utopian vision of humanity, that Northern Exposure was putting forward. Mm -hmm. And so he said, I'm not going to do it. And then he made the most, and I like The Sopranos, but it is the antithesis of Ted Lasso and shows yeah, like that. Absolutely. It is a show all about how everybody acts for themselves, how mm -hmm. everybody is selfish, how everybody is self-protective, and power is what wins in the end. Yeah. Sure, it never wins everything, but if power is what we're... And I hate that view of the world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so David Chase ruined my favorite show. And so it's so nice to see that all of the shows that followed him, many of which I love, like Breaking Bad, yeah. were antidoted this year by a couple other uh, creators like Jason Sudeikis. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's great. Why. Love it. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we've been, we're, we're aligned with our TV choices. That's great. Excellent. What's your, what's your number two choice? Well, I should also say Schitt's Creek would have been, a, would have oh. been a, another one too. And, but I know that you and I had done a, a script reading of we that. We're already LA, aligned so. on that. Yeah. Yeah. I already, <laughs> already love that show. Another show that just, I cried about a thousand times watching that show. Yeah. And um. that one was like, cause that, fi that finale was early in pandemic. Like that was, I think April, 2020. Yeah, and then they started winning all the Emmys like right before, uh, yeah, basically like right before the, the the big wave started to hit in the summer of last yes, year. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we could have, I'll just say, sorry, Dan Levy, but we could have used a season seven. Of all the years, this would have been the one to just be, you know, fast forward 10 years. I don't know. Do something. Yeah. I got many, all I got many ideas. Call me. <laughs> <laughs> Although, man, the, 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 the his story sense for where to end everybody's narrative yeah. was so bang on. Wow. Yeah, you have just, to respect just that. Just amazing. It's it's almost British in its, you know, cutthroatedness, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right, what did I put down for number two? Wait a sec. I, I have to remember because I, I got lost there on the Ted Lasso thing and I forgot <laughs> what I'd written down. Um, spoiler alert, you got, you got books. Oh, I, but I think I was going to talk about kind yeah. of specific books that I was reading this year. Yeah, there we go. So, uh... Yeah, so number two for me would be uh, all the books that I discovered this year that that I might not necessarily have discovered. And actually, you know what? I'm actually going to flip that one around, and it's going to sound strange. Okay. But it, it's it's it has to do with a lot of books that I've been introduced to over this last year through the lens of a community that formed on Facebook. Hmm. Now, this is not Canadian. Mm -hmm. So it sort of is in a way, which I will, which I will turn back in a second. But uh, do you know Tony DiTerlizzi? No. Okay, so Tony DiTerlizzi is the the uh, you'll know his books. He did Wandla. He was the he and Holly Black did the Spiderwick Chronicles. Mm. Uh, he does he's but he's one of the best illustrators in the world. Okay. And a few years ago, I noticed that he was posting on Facebook that he was doing. Oh, I'm going to be doing a thing for Dungeons and Dragons. He does Dungeons and Dragons mm -hmm. illustrations. But I'm going to do it live. You can watch and you can interact. And I remember joining in a couple of those, and I learned so much. Hmm. So he and his wife, Ange, this year, last year, starting in March, said, you know what, let's do this every day. 
And then it was like every week or whatever. And so he did a, a master class in drawing that lasted like six straight months. And I would join every day. I'd have a cup of tea. You could interact. We would chat. And Tony and Ange would talk about their books. And then like, so just my own personal growth in reading and writing came out of things they talked about, came out of books that they were, that everybody who joined in talked about being influential. Hmm. And Lee Foti, who you might know, who's a Canadian author and mm -hmm. illustrator from out West, was is also a member of this group. Anybody can join. It's not like this is an inclusive group. Wow. But the conversations we would have and seeing Lee's work and then Lee and I talking off away from this and then the rest of us like like looking at illustrations and posting story ideas and stuff. That actually should have been my number two. Yeah. Books is too broad. That would be my number two now that I think about it. Okay. And I've gone and read Tony's books uh, more deeply. I'd read a bunch of them, but I've gone and looked at some of them more deeply. And and just, the, it's made me up my own game in how I think about what I'm giving in my books to readers. Wow. And I think it's made me draw better. I think it's made me write better. And... Uh, and so I even did a little dedication to them at the end of uh, the book that I wrote with my kid, Basil, the mm -hmm. fabulous Ed Watson. Yeah. I do a little shout out to Tony and me. It's called uh, Drawn to Fantasy. You can join it on Facebook. He posts, still does it semi-regularly. And every time he does, it's just absolute joy. It's You know what it is? It's finding a community. It Absolutely. maybe even goes to Ted Lasso. Yeah. It's about finding a kind of a community of people who share a common interest and you get better as a result of just being there. 100%. And those those experiences where, you know, Zoom is not great for everything or, or whatever platform you want to use. But when you can come together like that and there's, there's not a lot of pressure to interact, you can just kind of be there and absorb whatever's going on or jump in on a conversation. I think that's such a great way to experience and, and dip your toe into a new community or, you know, just... I don't know. I, I think that there's so many opportunities to, to reach out outside your normal um, bounds of friends or network or people Agreed. or whoever you want to connect with, you know? Well, and it was cool, too, that during... There's a helicopter going over my head, yeah, uh, yeah. so I hope that's not... Okay, good. But it's cool, too, because uh, social media can be a force for horrific, you know, mm. depression and all sorts of other things, and I often need to take a break. But one of the things was to look at how creative people responded using social media to being stuck at home. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean just TikTok dances and stuff, which is great, awesome stuff. But like, you know, uh, booksellers were, were giving book talks online mm -hmm. and, and people were doing fun challenges to each other online. And I guess the Tony thing was an example because that was on Facebook. So that was a social media driven thing as well. Yeah. And yeah, so I, it did. And, you know, I was more stuck in front of my computer than I thought I would be <laughs> for obvious reasons over yeah. the last year. And, and seeing that stuff come at you and, and maybe having the time and the space to be open to it. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. you're right that there was there was there's more. There were there were things that were there that yeah. were, that were good. That's great. Yeah. Do you want to talk about books or that's your number two? Well, I'm going to go with number two is going to be that kind of unexpected right. community. But that, and it's funny because that's not, it's funny that books is what I had down. <laughs> and there have been so many books this year that I've loved, like Ken Opel's book Thrive. Is, I still have the, I have the book on order. 
Kevin Sands' fifth book is coming out from the Blackthorn series. Anything Susan Nielsen writes. I mm, love seeing yeah. what Ashley Spires. I mean, I, the problem is that there's so many good books being made in Canada right now. Yeah. I guess the one thing that makes me angry about books in Canada is that when you check bestseller lists, the Canadian books are not up there. And I'll mm. guarantee you they're better than the stuff that's being published anywhere in the world right now. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I know. It's... Uh. Yeah. Come on, Canada, read some Canadian books. What the hell? Um, interesting. Yeah, I find that I, for the longest time, couldn't read in the pandemic. Uh, just couldn't get into it. And then I want to say it was like end of summer of 2020, I started dipping back into the Libby app and TPL and, and going into audiobooks so that when I was out walking, I could at least, yeah. you know, start enjoying some storytelling. And yep. that that got me back in like that you know got my got me got me thirsty for more so i was i was glad that it came back but for a while i couldn't do it that's fair and i know a lot a lot of my friends have had that and i'm friends of mine who are writers also had trouble writing because how do you lose yeah. yourself into uh, a different world when the real world is so oppressive at that yeah. point and yeah i, I yeah. totally get it i luckily did not really have that problem to that much of an extent yeah i uh i was able to sort of keep reading but but the, the stuff i read might have changed slightly i i wasn't going to read anything that was going to depress me right yeah. over the last year were you and basil writing during this? we were we finished yeah. writing uh zed we handed it in on january 1st yeah 2020 Oh, wow. So, yeah, we were editing and doing the uh, illustrations and stuff all the way through until about last, the end of last summer. And then That's the book great. was sort of put away, you know, some fine editing over the winter, but the book yeah. was basically put away and then came out in January. Yeah. Hmm. It's good to so, have yeah. that creative something as you're trying to get through, for sure. Deadlines were actually pretty good. And I tend to have a lot of deadlines that I'm juggling all the time. Yeah. So, like, I had more hockey Super 6 books I had to do, and, mm -hmm. and I have a couple other projects that I had to do. So, yeah, that, that does help, and it helps to have a deadline yeah. that kicks your butt. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. All right, let's go to number three. Bread! Yes! Yes. Now, this... Uh, sadly, this does not separate me from anybody else during the pandemic. You're so basic, Kevin. It, it was incredibly basic. And the weird thing was that I found out that the Dutch oven that I've had for years uh -huh. is the absolute best way to make bread. Yeah. There's that no need one. Yeah. There's the low need one. There's the rise overnight one. But if you cook it in a steaming hot Dutch oven... You get that you crackle, up, on, crackle oh, on top, like the crust. So oh, good. yeah. <laughs> and I'm not like a, I'm not, I, I love to cook. I don't necessarily love to bake. But for a while, every couple days, we would just make a fresh loaf of bread. And yeah. just the smell in the house, it is unbelievably therapeutic. Now, did Sadly, you, oh, sorry. my oven died <laughs> two oh. weeks ago. Oh so I haven't been able to make bread since. So you need to investigate barbecue recipes, I guess. Uh, yes, and actually I do do pizza on my gas barbecue. There you go. Yeah, and, yeah. and a, my pizza stone is apparently uh, good for the barbecue, so mm -hmm. I've got to do a little bit of cleaning to get it Absolutely. ready. Absolutely. Uh, and the spring has finally arrived, so yeah, I will probably be doing something Can like do that. Can do some lavash sure. on there. You're, there's oh. options. There's options. Yes, yes. Um, did you go through the... Um, the yeast epidemic of 2020 or were you using some starter 
I had a, a neighbor very kindly drop off some yeast very early on. Wow, lucky. Uh, we tried the starter. Uh, it never works. <laughs> like it, it sort of works for some people, and then they hook up other people with, you know, sourdough starter. Uh, I just I don't have the patience to sit there and figure out how much rye dough goes into whatever. So. Right. But yeah. then as soon as the problem was, as soon as yeast was available again, I overbought. Right. And I'm still using yeast now that I bought in april of 2020 so. you've got a bathtub full of yeast i have a lot i have a lot and uh but that's okay it's it's working you're prepared. fine yeah you're prepared yeah. that's great yeah. my husband has been taking uh baking courses with george brown for a couple oh. of years and they transitioned to online and his next one which starts next week is a sourdough bread course fantastic you know who yeah. makes the best bread i think on the internet is uh, either uh, bob bittner or uh, I think Robin Stevenson's posting stuff sometimes oh, too. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah, check out their like Instagram and, and Twitter feeds, and every once in a while they're posting bread that just looks like oh, you just yeah, oh, yeah, incredible. Yeah, excellent. All right. Yeah. So number three was bread. What's number four? Number four. Okay, number four is board games. Uh, and we are a family, uh, so weirdly during the pandemic, we actually, we all were living together. So, which was nice because mm -hmm. then you weren't isolated and it was also horrible because then you can't <laughs> escape each other. Uh, but one of the things we did was we got through by playing, um, board games together. Uh -huh. And what was really cool was that, so Debbie Oe is a uh, very good friends of ours, Debbie and Jeff, uh, and she's a huge board gamer mm -hmm. and so she would sometimes suggest why don't you try this why don't you try this and so we did that we were playing board games the whole time we still play board games and um and there's we go from like love letters if you if you're not a huge board game player when mm -hmm. i say board games i sort of mean kind of not dungeons and dragons although no. we do do that too but like you know role-playing fun games where you lose yourself in it settlers of Catan or, okay, or yeah. puerto rico or those sorts of things mm -hmm. but love letters is the simplest of of these card games and you're like trying to get a letter to the princess and you have all these different cards and you have to guess them and you go around a circle what a great little board game if you haven't had it go get it love letters it'll it'll be addictive we play it over zoom with our family in yeah in you know arizona we we uh we play all sorts of different board games like that and so we still get together we figured out a way to sort of play uh, uh code names which is another yeah. one where you sort of have to do patterning and lateral thinking mm -hmm. we figured out a way to make my ipad sit over top of it so that we could <laughs> join in with like our neighbors who live like two blocks away who are very good friends and and all sorts of stuff like that so that's great yeah, they've been amazing. And we, there was a secret board game that we were asked to try out. Ooh. I can't say anything else about it, except that we were asked to sort of beta test it. And when Ooh. it comes out, it's going to be awesome. That's all I'll say. Game influencers. I love it. Well, it was it was a lot of fun. And it came about through uh, a, a sort of surreptitious way. And it was just, it was great. And it's one of those, I can't even say much about it, except it was one of the highlights of our... Uh, one of the highlights of our summer and when it comes out i will tweet about it okay. tell everybody to go buy it and play it but if you like board the thing about board games is that you can invest as much of yourself in them as you want you can yeah. be you can pretend you are the character if you're that sort of person mm -hmm. uh, or you can just have fun with it and use it as strategy but it's just it keeps your brain nimble so in the Sylvester household, is this like, is it Sunday night board game night or is it, is it a scheduled evening or just whenever you all feel like it? 
when we were all living together, it was every night. So oh, Wingspan wow. would be Wednesdays, maybe. Not that there was a schedule, but like Wingspan, we would play a lot. That's a fantastic board game, if you, especially if you love art and birds. I don't even care if I ever win that game. It's just it was <laughs> such a such a fun one to play. We've been playing Gloomhaven sort of together, which is like a intro to D&D strategy game mm -hmm. with elves and dwarves and stuff. And it's been fun. Uh, but the, although the games can go on forever and ever and ever in that one, sort of mm -hmm. like Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. But yeah, but, but we would play all the time. And and Love Letters is one of those that you, and Wingspan, where you just sort of go, hey, do you feel like a game? Yeah, sure. And you grab that one right away because it's always fun every time you play it. That's so great. I love yeah. that. I, I greatly desire to be a family that plays board games. My, my daughter only just this past year learned to kind of read independently. So, you know, cards and that she can get through so we're, we're getting there but oh love letters yeah because yeah. it's all it's just numerically based it's like one two three four five six seven eight and whoever has the highest card at the end wins mm -hmm. but each of the cards has a slightly different it you don't need to read it you just need oh, to kind okay. of know who they are it's fun and we actually got our niece who's now a teenager but when we started playing the game with her uh, she was much younger and she loved it just caught on because it's a simple strategy game But there's variations and you sort of feel like it's up to you to try and outsmart everybody else. Love it. Yeah, it's great. All right yeah. Okay, so number four was board games and number five James a caster so <laughs> I we uh, The problem with poor James a caster is everybody knows him here is the guy who had a meltdown on the great British bake-off yes. Yeah, that's James but he James, we, in it in it yes. he always says that in it in yeah. it and he is um but he is one of the comics right now who just makes me smile every time i see him and not he goes to some very dark places so he did it we discovered him because we watch a lot of british game shows <clears throat> qi is one of our favorites mm -hmm. uh we also watch would i lie to you with david mitchell and lee mack and i just i've always loved even when i was a kid growing up we used to listen to the cbc would play like who's line and all of those british shows yeah. the wit the cleverness yeah, maybe yeah, it's yeah. the british accents <laughs> It definitely is. I want to say it's 40% the accent. I'm least. sure. It, and yeah, because yeah, the dry wit that comes yes. off of that disdainful kind of, you know, a tone of voice. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely there. So we watch those and James Acaster is just one of the weirdest and funniest every time he's a guest on one of these shows. And then Netflix did a four part special with him mm -hmm. a couple of years ago that we watched. I highly recommend it. It's weird. It's funny. He does these weird characters. But then he had a, he had a breakdown. Mm -hmm. And he talks about that very publicly. And his new show, which you get by going to his website, it's called uh, Cold Lasagna 1999, I Hate Myself. Okay. <laughs> it you a, doesn't tell you everything, and it tells you everything about okay. that show. Is him going to some very dark places about his own mental health issues and talking about it in the funniest way you can imagine. And I just, I find him brilliant. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've started listening to his pod. He does a music podcast that I mm -hmm. listen to uh, kind of religiously where he tries to convince everybody that 2016 was the best year for music ever. <laughs> so he finds these bizarre albums and he sends them out to friends of his who are comedians. And he says, listen to this. And they talk about it. And uh, he, yeah, I will watch him. He does a show called Hypothetical, which you can sort of, surreptitiously watch mm -hmm. sometimes if you can figure out a way to watch it it got taken down from youtube a little while ago oh, okay. but uh you can see excerpts of it he's just he's just got a view of the world that i find 
both funny and refreshing and I clearly think he's the sort of person who you would just love to sit down and have a beer with. You would yeah. just hit it off and talk about a million things. Yeah. And yeah, he might be kind of crazy and annoying by the end of the dinner, but <laughs> at the beginning and throughout it, you'd be like, man, dude, let's do this again. It'd be amazing. <laughs> he's definitely a great storyteller. Has he yeah. written anything? He's written a couple books, awesome. uh, mostly, but he has a book that is about his breakdown and how he bought every record album available in 2016. Hmm. Uh, and so that's sort of a compendium to the podcast that he does. Mm -hmm. He also does another podcast. Uh, that one's called, I think, The Infinite Playlist, or it might be called Something Sounds. Uh, anyway, you can find out. Just do a search for James A. Yeah. Caster on, on the podcast thing. But he does another one with another friend of his who's a comedian that my wife listens to religiously, which uh -huh. is he they bring in people and they ask him what their dream menu is. <gasps> and they go, you know, they start off with like appetizers. And the first thing they yell at people is like, you know, water. Do what kind? Do you want water or do you want, you know, <laughs> seltzer water? And they sort of yell at it, whoever their guest is. And it just sets the tone for what is sounds like a very simple concept that goes to some very strange places right i yeah. love that oh yeah gosh. i highly recommend james a caster that's great i agree i've been doing a lot of comedy podcasts i think 90 percent of my podcast reader right now is is comedy and we just need it you know yeah 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 i had to yeah. unsubscribe from some of the more newsy you know yep i know exactly what things. you mean yeah yeah, yeah. like i know yeah. the state of the world i'd rather be amused right now yeah, but yeah. the thing is, Acaster actually does a state of the world thing at the very beginning of the cold lasagna mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. It's about comedians picking on, uh, like, punching down humor. Uh. And he just does it in a way where you go, oh, I, and he talks about Brexit a lot in it, too. And you go, oh, I see what he's doing there, but man, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, that. I know that you're talking about Boris Johnson, but you're doing it in a way that I cannot help but laugh. <laughs> so, yeah. That's great. I like him that's a lot. Great. All right. James Acaster was the final thing that's making you happy your favorite thing right now all things yeah. comedy that doesn't surprise me yeah i think i snuck in 10 things in that list of five. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what i do that's my editor's job is to help me get rid of the excess that i throw into every one of my absolutely books. well chatting with you is one of my favorite things so thank you so much for being here i really appreciate your time um what do you have coming up and what where can people find you what where if people want to know more well, I mean, you can always find me. The the Honestly, the quickest way to find me is on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, like a lot of us, I spend a lot of time on Twitter, and I have fun. Uh, you know, we get into arguments and fun things, uh, different authors. Art Slade and I have this ongoing feud on Twitter. <laughs> so look for that if you like Art Slade <laughs> and you like me. We're constantly battling on Twitter. We're actually in a and d game together, too, okay. where I saved his life. Oh, wow. And I don't think he's forgiven me for it. <laughs> so... That's the easiest way. You can also go to my website. I've got more hockey books coming out next year. Uh, I've got, uh, I'm talking about Zed Watson to anybody who will listen. Yep. It's a book that is near and dear to my heart. And in, I remember one of the reviewers uh, said that, it, Jeffrey Canton said it was like the Schitt's Creek of kids books. Oh. That it was, and I thought, man, I cannot... I cannot think of higher praise for for the book. So it's a fantastic yeah. book. It's a fantastic story. The making of the book. I heard you and Basil on. Was it Fresh Air? Yes. Yeah. It was. It was one of those times where you know when you hear your friends in, in media somewhere and you scream out, "I I know them. <laughs> I I know they made 
that thing. I got very excited, and it is a fantastic book. So congrats well, to both you. of you. Yeah. So proud of Baz. Like they, it was really a lot of fun to write the book, which which our family did not predict when we started out, but uh, <laughs> but it ended up being amazing. And honestly, I'd write a book with that kid again, oh, like that. That's so great. Well, yeah. well done. Thank you so Thank much you. for being here again. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. That is all the time we have for today. Thank you so much to Kevin Sylvester for joining us and for telling us all about his favorite things. A reminder, if you want more information about the festival, uh, the Forest of Reading Festival or the Forest of Reading Program, go to our website at accessola.com. We hope you enjoyed this chapter of Libraryland Loves, and we will see you again next week. Bye-bye. Awesome.